0: Prices is a benchmark for wholesale pricing, should be half of the MSRP. MSRP is a term referring to the retail price, the price you have on Amazon or on your Shopify. Welcome to
1: the 10K Collective Podcast for six, seven, and eight-figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven-figure exit, and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, private label sellers primarily or custom product sellers. Today, we are talking about if you are a brand owner, how to sell B2B and specifically today we're talking about the negotiation piece. So we're talking with Daniel Schneider, the uh, founder of AnyBiz, which is a lead generation platform, which has got everything in one place to find and uh, find prospects and send emails and get positive replies. So, that's done the whole prospecting lead generation piece. And we're also talking with uh, Taylor Offer. And today we are probably going to be focusing more on your skill set there, Taylor, because we're talking about B2B negotiation. So, welcome to the show. First of all, gents, thank you so much for coming back on with us.
0: Thank you for having us today, Michael. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Daniel.
1: Thank yes, we've managed to get ourselves maybe manually, maybe using software, maybe even using any biz to the point where we've got replies on email to our carefully crafted emails, carefully targeted to the right people. What happens next? What do we do next?
0: Normally, the, the first two questions would be request for samples and prices. Normally, prices first, if you haven't sent yet. Prices is a benchmark for wholesale pricing should be half of the MSRP. MSRP is a term referring to the retail price, the price you have on Amazon or on your Shopify. So to make it clear, if I'm selling whatever, if I'm selling this cup for thirty dollar, it's quite a lot. Thirty dollar on Amazon on my website. So the wholesale price is supposed to be fifteen dollar for normal retailer. Now you have to know that who you're talking with, because if you're talking with Tuesday Morning, which is the name of a retailer with a bunch of stores, they would expect you to sell it for them for thirty to thirty five percent of your MSRP. That would come up to approximately 9 to $12. But if you're talking to Bed Bath & Beyond, which is a normal retailer, not selling off price, they would expect to buy it for 15 because you're selling it for 30 So they do the 15 from your as a margin from your, uh, from your wholesale price. So that would, yeah, that would be the first communication.
1: Yeah. And this brings up the whole pricing question. So we've got a question from Svetlana who said, how do you price your wholesale for, and so I think we've answered that question. It's about half of your retail price. And then she says, what's the ROI you can get per product? And she's pointing out the store probably has similar products and they prefer the cheapest. Well, is that true? And and how do we get around? How do we actually make sure there's any profit left in the deal for us?
0: I captured the ROI question, but not the second question.
1: Yeah, so I think her fear is basically that the store already has similar products and they prefer the cheapest. At least that's Fetlana's thinking. Is that that's true funny. in your experience? Do they always prefer the cheapest?
0: No, definitely not. And I'll tell you why. First of all, they are looking for value for themselves. We're not talking about social organizations. We're talking about pro- profitable companies. If they have a shelf of whatever, five inch, ten inch, whatever it is, they want to. They'd rather earn. $100 an hour for that shelf rather than 50 or 60 So for them, they try always to find where is the point that it still makes sense as a price, not too high, but not too low. Okay? So here's the thing. If they already have the products that you're offering them, the only way that you get your products on shelf is if you have something different. For instance, a good variations, good color, great packaging different uh, attributes on your products versus the, the, the existing vendor and so on. Okay. You can think about many other examples of how to differentiate your own products from others. But then when it comes to ROI, the first part of the question, this is very interesting, this is impossible to answer. Why? Because some people are buying from trade companies, some people are buying from factories, and some people are buying from third party dealer. So what happens with that same cap? is that I can buy it for $7, but Daniel can be buying it for $3 because he got to the factory somewhere down the road in the middle of the forest in China. So he's paying 25, 40, 50% less than me. So his ROI would be different when he sells it for $9 to Tuesday morning versus so that's on the ROI side. But however you turn that, you will never sell, you, you don't take the cost and then think, okay, it cost me $7 landed in the States. I can sell it for $8 and make a dollar a piece. I'm good. No, that's not how you think. This is not a This is not a real thought. This is a wholesale thought. If a, a retailer like TJ Maxx or HomeGoods or Burlington comes to you, then is when you think about making a half dollar a dollar. Why? Because the quantities are crazy. But if you're talking about Bloomingdale, they have nice quantities, but only 46 stores. Then you want to grab sixteen dollars, not only 15. Why? Because it's a headache to work with them. You have to fill in the papers, you have to talk with the buyers, you have to be nice with Amandain, with Alexine, with Christine, and so on. <laughs> so yeah. So ROI, right. <laughs> you're gonna have it, but I cannot put my finger on a percentage because it varies. I hope this answers addresses the question.
1: Yeah, interesting discussion. It kicks off, doesn't it? First of all, I would say to Svetlana that It sounds like you have this idea that people are always going to prefer the cheapest. I would argue that whichever sales channel you're using or whatever business model you're using, if your product is only ever going to sell because it's cheapest, you've got a massive problem anyway. (laughs) Because the Chinese factories sell direct-to-consumer on Amazon and on Walmart, particularly by the way UK penetration for Chinese manufacturers even before (laughs) Brexit was pretty high. Post-Brexit, basically... We've turned our back on Bracon people that are 25 miles away and seem to be trying to get into bed with the, the lowest cost producer in the world, i.e. China, which is just ludicrous. So it's going to be even worse here, but it's pretty bad in the US. I think the entire idea that you depend on cheapness is just a totally flawed idea anyway. And so you have to differentiate. And as you said, the, the only reason someone's going to buy your products because it offers something somebody else doesn't, right? They're not just, you're not just another commodity, but it's also brings up the question of ROI is one metric, but what metrics would you use to define whether an order's worth, a a business deal is worth entering? Would it be absolute size of profit per deal? For example, so if you sell something new, what sort of metric do you use?
0: The first step you would think about, I see where you're coming from. The first step you would think about is your brand. If my brand is FBA amazing, okay? And I want to spread the word. I would not take it to anyone who agrees to take it and show it live on his channel. I would take it to someone that is considered sophisticated and considered elegant or stuff like that, because I want to have it branded properly. So in the same way, when you have your products, even if they're not the highest level, which most of the products are, not the highest level, you can go, for instance, you would go to any and that's one of the greatest thing on it. When you're searching for contacts, you're, you can search per company and if per category, sorry. So if my category, for instance, is kitchen, because I'm selling pink cups, then I would see probably, I don't know, a couple of thousands of different companies, right? Tellers or local companies that are an objective for me. I can sell them. Okay. Now a huge difference that makes in any business, that's why I'm still talking about it, is that you would literally see the name of the company, which is clickable. Once you click it, there's a new window opening with their website. And you can in seconds understand if this is like a retailer that fits your product. Because, hey, here's the thing. Most of the people, me as well, do not know all the retailers. I'm running to new retailers every day, and I have to click that place on any base to see what who are they. Okay, they responded me, great. but. Before I'm giving them prices, before I'm sending samples, I want to know if it's worth it. Maybe they only have three stores and I don't want to work with them. Or maybe they have 50 stores, but the stores look like, sorry for my French crap. Okay. So it depends. But the good thing about any is that in one click, you can immediately see what it is. And this is also something when you approach yourself to retailers, you have to think about them thinking the same thing you think how does the website look like if you log into a website then it's all a mess and the, the the lines are not equal there's a lot of feedbacks on the left reviews on the right what the heck this is amazon what is it a private label? what's happening here and you don't know what's the product are in seconds then you know that this is a mess right so the same way retailers that are not high-end their website is a mess now if you would log in williamsonola for instance which is a very high-end retailer, Immediately, you would feel as if you were going into a boutique store. Okay. So if your products are not this crappy cup that I have here, but ones with wings and with a nice custom sunglasses, something like really better than just a normal cup, then you would want to sell William Sonoma because it's a boutique style. And okay. all those things are seen very easily by on any base when you use the platform.
1: Interesting. So, I guess what you're saying is really before you worry about the money side, you've got to look for a match between your sort of product and the brand and also the quality of the brand. And then, by the same token, what you just said is remember, they're going to be looking at your website and making the same judgment call. I presume that as a prelude to negotiations, we need to get our own website looking good for potential review by any
0: potential uh, retail box, you know, big or small box. Is that right? right but Jim- Just to mention, this is one strategy and this is my strategy. But there's another strategy, which is easiest, faster, but a little bit risky. Here's the thing. If you have a brand and your plan is to make money, that then you can go to any biz and literally choose, boom, thousands of retailers, not even knowing who you're sending it and just saying, okay, whomever needs to reply to this, we reply. Those that are not relevant. Whatever. So they get an email. So what? Because it's called email. You're not burning any bridge here. Okay. You can always say, sorry, I just sent it by mistake. Whatever it is. Okay. Because it's been sent from your inboxes. If you send it literally. Okay. Now, not your inbox, but you open dedicated inboxes for that. That's what I at least have a couple of inbox I would say. So that's another strategy. And you know what? I don't, I cannot say that one strategy is better than the other. What I can say is that when you go to the mass market, in terms of emails, instead of sending 200 dedicated emails a day, sending 20,000 non-dedicated emails, you might probably have much more conversion. And even if you're not falling on the right buyer or the right assistant, most of them would be kind enough to forward you to the right person. And hey, here's how you just created the business. Not even, you know, not even opening the right door. You just, you, you open the neighbor door wanting to sell something and he told you, no, your guy to buy is there. He has the money, he has the pocket. That's your guy. And then you open the door saying, Hey, John told me it's, it's you. It's, ah, John told you. Fine. Yeah. Come here. Let's talk. You see what I'm saying here?
1: Yeah, I think so. So I guess that's almost like a sort of prospecting uh, decision, isn't it? That you were talking about. So I suppose what you're saying is the answer to what happens in the negotiation partly depends on your strategy for prospecting. By the sound of it, and obviously, Daniel, you're you're the expert in the prospecting software side. So, forgive me not uh, bring you into the negotiation so much, but obviously, you've uh, negotiated yourself. So, tell me a bit about your experience as one example. So, you were selling on Amazon. The competitors come in. And you're looking for another way to shift quite a lot of stock. And you managed to move into B2B. So how did your sort of negotiations start? I know you got some mentoring from Taylor. What was your experience of those negotiations? When you first, what was the first thing that started after somebody came back to you and said, yeah, I'm interested? What did you say to them?
2: There are a lot of great stories, but I learned a lot from Tawara. Basically, it was before the Zoom era. And we met face to face, and it was amazing because I really learned a lot. And I started to implement all the techniques that I just learned. And someone uh, said I'm interested, but I don't know. I am interested, but it's uh, the the pricing is is high. Some of them said, "Hey, I saw your product on Amazon. Why should I sell in my store?" And you have to be creative. You need to understand that it's a new <laughs> channel. It's in business and you need to make something different other than on Amazon because it doesn't make sense because some client go to some physical store and maybe while he's in store he will look at in, in Amazon and he will see hey it's cheaper there or something like that but there are a lot of great pictures what you should do or uh, what you should say to make the sale but as i said it's a little bit different than selling on Amazon you will no, no more notification on the app on the seller app but it's interesting. You should. You have to be creative. You need. You have to be very excited about your product. And why some store, let's say in Chicago, Illinois, should buy 100 pieces from you in one time and take the risk uh, on them, and they will be satisfied. People come into their store and they will buy. It. There are a lot of weird stories. Uh, it's a whole new business, and I like. I changed everything. I stopped selling on Amazon. St- uh, started selling only to businesses. And it was amazing. It was really amazing because it's a, recruit, a recurring uh, payment for you. Every every like month or two months, they will buy it from you again and again if your product
1: is very good. Okay, so that's great. And it, we turned a, a one-off type sales into es- essentially, a, what's the word? A renewable type product. But that's all very exciting. But tell us a little bit about one of these stories then. So like, I'd love to hear a bit of the detail of that sort of pricing discussion or how you persuade people to actually have their products in store how do those conversations pan up
2: great so let's take an, uh, an example so some some store replied to me hey I'm interested let's have a call I just called them and uh, we started talking about how many pieces uh, and what is the minimum order for pieces and I just I remember I was calculating before and I said it was uh, 50 and, I said, uh, and they said, I don't know your brand. I don't know your products. Why, uh, why 50? Maybe we will try less. And I didn't want to make it less than 50 because I, I wanted to sell. And, uh, that I would, and they said in the store, I, we don't want to take all the risk on us. And I offered them, listen, take the 50 pieces, pay for them and eat, and and if after one month, you didn't sell half of them, like 25, I will buy them again from you. I will give you a refund and will take back all the products. And this is one of the stores, this is one of the techniques. So if you don't sell, I will give you a refund. So I'm sure, I'm so confident that you will sell the product in your store. So I will give you a refund if there will be no sales. Okay. So
1: this comes down to risk reduction instead of I suppose what, yeah. what in the B2B space, in, sorry, direct to consumer space, especially in the information product space, is sort of huge discussions about the kind of guarantee you give and stuff. So Taylor, tell us a bit about that. What sort of guarantee should we give to retailers when we're first starting out? Let's say it's a fairly small one, which was realistic for most of us. And also, what guarantee should we not give? What things are too risky for us to give?
0: Sorry, was that directed to me?
1: Yeah. If, if you've got something to say on that, yeah. So what guarantees would you offer and what guarantees would you stay away from is not a good plan? Uh, Guaranteed. Say,
0: yeah. Worry, I lost your guarantees in terms of what? In
1: terms of, so for example, if you don't sell half of them, I'll give you a refund. That kind of deal that Daniel struck with uh, a smallish business, I'm assuming there. What's a good plan and what's a, not a good plan in that sort of area?
0: The best thing with retail as I see it is to get, to cut to order. So, what is cut-to-order? Well, there's, there's two different ch- normal channels that you would have when it comes to orders. The first one would be when they ask you how many, how much inventory you have on the ground, and then you provide them some of the inventory for a test order, or even a, a, a big order if you have enough. But if you don't, then there comes the cut-to-order is a term describing a situation where they place an order up front for the next or for a delivery in another four or five or six or even seven months and you go ahead and produce and everything and it's an amount of of inventory dedicated for them for a certain order a certain retailer by that there is no no risk zero risk which is the best thing to have but there's also no risk with this store because hey There is no consignment when it comes to retailers in the States. Consignment is a term I've never ran into. The only way I would hear the the term consignment is when I'm dealing with local small or medium wholesalers. Okay. So when they take your products, they take it, that's it. So what you have to think about, if that's where your question is coming from, in terms of how much inventory to build is, that's, that's the point here or Am I missing something?
1: Look, and I'm too ignorant to even know what the right questions are to ask. In a sense, I suppose what I was trying to do is I was thinking, okay, you're offering them a deal, sell it or take it back. And I was trying to say, how risky is this? But no, this is very helpful. So in other words, we're talking about managing the risk, your side versus trying to get the deal. So trying to take the risk off the buyers on their side. I suppose that balance is what we're discussing here.
0: They take the risk. You don't take risks here. Okay. That's that's what that's I'm a, saying. They take a a Sometimes they put it in store and it's not selling very good. So they have to play with the numbers or anything. And they have to tell you about it as well, because you might have a minimum advertising price and so on. But anyway, when they take it, that's it. Like it's, unless you have returns and that's the quality issue, which I don't even want to talk about because I'm, I'm taking uh, all the things that I say out of the point of view that, that you know. The quality is there. Like there are no quality issue because if you have quality issues, the last thing you want to do is get to approach to physical stores and have issues like returns or stuff like that, because this is like somewhere you don't want to be at, but yeah.
1: Okay. So I guess that in, in the end, <laughs> there is no substitute for having some guidance on this stuff, as you're saying, Daniel, that you got lots of fantastic mentoring from Taylor. And so this is something where there's a lot of nuance in the, the negotiation side. So. If people want to get a bit of information from you daniel or indeed so not daniel sorry taylor or uh, indeed some coaching where would they go to to get that
0: i don't do coaching anymore but i i do i'm acting as a sales rep agent but i always talk with people before we do any move so you can consider that as a coaching a free one <laughs> <laughs> and i can be approached on my website retail empire and retail-empire.com you can navigate to the contact area you can find me on Facebook, Taro Offer, T-A-L-O-R, Offer, LinkedIn, whatever it is. Yeah, I believe that I also have something, some kind of a link on, on your website as well, Michael, if I yeah, remember. Yeah, I think so.
1: <laughs> Great, perfect. And and then for the AnyBiz as well, we've got a free trial for anyone who wants to try out the software for the lead generation side that we talked about at amazingfba.com forward slash AnyBiz, as N-A-N-Y-B-I-Z or B-I-Z. And uh, Taylor offers T-A-L-O-R-O-1-F-E-R. So, gents, I'm going to have to bounce because I've got to get onto another meeting. I know you guys are real busy, but it's been a real pleasure to talk this stuff through. Uh, there's obviously a lot of different skill sets involved here. And I think for some people that will be off-putting and I understand that. But for others, I think like myself, I think the interactive nature of it and the business, the human to human nature of it could be a fascinating journey. Interesting, very interesting, a whole new realm of possibilities for anyone who owns a brand. Just reminds me to say a tailor-offer and Daniel Schneider from AnyBiz and tailor-offer from Retail Empire. Thank you so much for coming on the show.
2: Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you.